You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group Line Realty Studio in gorgeous West Monroe. What up, Jake from the Washington Citizen? Aaron, how many times did you say good morning? Well, it was kind of, you know, you didn't have your headphones on yet. So it's been that kind of morning so far. The renovations continue in the studio, so there may be a little hiccups along the, the way. For Wait. a while there, we didn't know if we had internet this morning, but uh called in the engineer and we got things fixed during the last five, ten minutes. Yes. Thankfully, we have internet, so now we can communicate with those of you on the Stuart Shelby text line. Stuart Shelby State Farm hotline slash text line 888-993-7762. Go to StuartShelby.com for a free quote as we get things rocking and rolling here on this Wednesday morning. Jake, uh, you start jotting down headlines, and then all of a sudden you got a page of headlines. Yes. Um, I think you want to start with some softball? Throw some softball some love? Wow. Morning? I hope Tim Whitman's listening. He always he gets probably is not. Probably isn't, but uh, – yeah, let's start with softball. Last night we had a big game, Washita and Ash uh, at Washita Parish High School, and this was a big game because you know two district tilts. It wasn't you know built up as the number one versus number two because Ash is in rebuild mode this year, but uh, still a very good game. It was a one to one game heading into the fifth inning, and that's when Taya Randall came through for the Lady Lions. She hit a two run homer, and uh, Jordan Manning and Madeline Fletcher followed behind her with some RBIs, and Washtenaw Parish won that game 5-1. to one. But it was one of those games where it was, well, first of all, the uh, umpires were not. Were not uh, You're going to go bashing officials and umpires so this morning? Here's the deal. It's not one of those deals where I'm angry like I was again, after the West Monroe-Washtenaw basketball game. I was angry with those officials. Wow. This game, I legitimately felt sorry for these guys mm. because – I don't know if they were just still asleep or if they actually didn't understand certain parts of the game, but they missed call after call. And I'm not talking about for one side or the other. Like it was just it was just bad all around, and it was so bad. the The strike zone I couldn't tell you what their strike zone was mm. because you know they would call you know in, call it inside early and then. Later on, they wouldn't, and then all of a sudden, now they're calling outside, and I'm just like, okay, this is this is interesting. Anyway, I got I get secondhand embarrassment. I was uh, embarrassed for, for, for these umpires. Mm, cringeworthy. Cringeworthy, yes. Mm. But anyway, um, Washtaw did pull off what was a big district victory last night. Mm. Uh, also on the diamond last night, Louisiana Tech making the trip down to Natchitoches to square up against Northwestern State. Diamond Dogs were looking for a little revenge, and they got it with a 6-3 to victory. Probably not the way that you would have scripted out this win or figured that this is the way that the game would go, considering no. how dominant David Leal has been for Louisiana Tech in midweek games this season. But actually, the Dogs fall behind in this ball game, 3 to nothing. They rally couple big hits, including a Clayton three-run home run late in that ball game as Tech gets out of there with a 6-3 to victory. This is in the midst of a big week for them. In the fact, they have two midweek games. Tonight, they square off against ULM at J.C. Love Field. And then, of course, this weekend against UAB. Yeah, so we found out that Leal actually is human. Yeah. He actually can uh, get roughed up a bit. But, hey, he, he bounced back. He, he gave up a few runs early and uh, kept battling and, and went you know, six innings in that game, and like you said, Chris Clayton came through with that three-run homer, and Mason Mallard homered in that in that game as well. Dalton Skelton, the Conference USA hitter of the week, also had a big triple in this ball game. Tech now improves to 16 and six overall, and as I mentioned, now Coach Federico and the Warhawks making that trip over to Louisiana Tech tonight to square off against them. Remember the first time uh, Louisiana Tech beat ULM at Warhawk Field. Seven to nothing. I had an opportunity. Heck, we have talked to Coach Burroughs yesterday on the show. I went out to Rockfield and had a visit with Coach Federico yesterday. They're looking forward to this game. Another opportunity, of course, to go on the road and see what they can do against the Dogs. You'll hear from Coach Federico live on this show coming up today at 8 o'clock. Other college baseball news on this day. we got LSU scoring off against Tulane. Yes, we do. And the debut of Nick Storrs. 
that's a pretty big deal. This is the guy that has been missing all season. He and AJ Lavis came in with a lot of hype, uh, but Nick Storrs is a six foot six, two hundred pound pitcher who has who was an All American in New York before making his way to LSU. And uh, this is a guy that Ben McDonald, you know, and, and I trust Ben McDonald's opinion, has talked about saying that this guy has major league stuff. And this is a guy that Paul Maneri has raved about. In fact, Paul Maneri was actually quoted saying, I can't wait for y'all to see him pitch. Oh. So if he's if he's as good as advertised, now all of a sudden with A.J. Labus, you know, getting healthier and, and giving you some really great outings, you had Labus and Stores. Maybe you, you can add them to the weekend, and heck, maybe not with the way Mikael Hillard has pitched so far on Sunday. But Jake, pump the brakes, man. The kid what? hasn't even pitched one no, inning. No, I'm just saying this is one of this is a guy that you know a lot of people were hyped for, and then unfortunately got injured right before the season, and then of course Lavis gets injured too, and so all of a sudden you're you know kind of shallow in the bullpen. So we'll see how he looks today. <laughs> I'm just saying he's got a lot of hype. Uh, he had a bone spur removed from his shoulder during the offseason, which delayed, of course, his 2018 debut. He makes that first long-awaited debut tonight against the Tulane squad, a Green Wave squad that uh, won two games last yeah. year against LSU. Yes, he sure did. Here's uh, Maneri's quote. Tulane beat us twice last year. Losing an arch rival is not a lot of fun. I'm hoping we'll play well on Wednesday and get a, an important midweek victory. In fact, he called him an arch rival. Shows a lot right there. LSU versus Tulane tonight. Also have Grambling versus Stephen F. Austin. Yes, at Stephen F. Austin. Uh, other headlines on this Wednesday morning. How about the Pels? Uh, in the midst of the three-game homestand, three games in three days, they take care of the Mavericks last night, 115-105. to 105. Anthony Davis went off again at 37 points, and they won this game without Drew Holiday. And it took them, you know, a quarter or so to kind of uh, get used to not playing with him. Holiday missed because he had flu-like symptoms. But uh, Rajon Rondo had a huge game, 19 points, 14 assists in that victory. With that win, the Pelicans at 41-30 and 30 are now number five in the Western Conference standings. And Utah fell to number eight after they lost to Atlanta last night. So the Pels are one game behind Oklahoma City, the number four seed, and half a game ahead of Minnesota, the number eight seed. And what, just uh, 11 games remaining in the regular season. Se- feels like the season just started, like started last week. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's crazy how, how quick it goes. I was being sarcastic. I was being a subtle jerk. The season started like in, what, August, October? October. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it doesn't feel like it was just yesterday. No, it really did fly by for me. <laughs> it feels like we just had the All-Stars and, and everything. I mean, it, it flew by. Yeah, it flew by for me, too, because I wasn't watching it. Okay, Aaron. <laughs> Well, but now it gets good. Only 11 games remaining. We got the postseason on the rise. Now you can go all in on NBA. You can. You could have been all in from the get-go. Mm. We've been all in, Aaron. You're the only one who hasn't. How many people out there have been all in on the Pels <laughs> this year? 888-993-7762. Okay. Some of us like basketball. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm, I love basketball, college hoops. Uh, there are some news and notes as we continue to get ready now for the uh, Sweet 16 and, of course, the NCAA tournament. But there was a national championship played last night, and it did involve a Louisiana school. LSU A comes up a little short against Graceland out of Iowa. Yeah, and how did that one end? 83-80 to 80 in overtime. On a buzzer beater, right? Yeah. Uh. Pretty good game. Uh, Rustin Native uh, Cordero, Terry Cordero, uh, coaches LSU A. They fall a little short. The, this was a Louisiana school, and I'm trying to remember this stat, going for the first national championship in this state since 1961. And that was Grambling, winning an NAIA mm. national championship. That's a good stat there. Yeah, I saw it in their press release, LSUA. Okay. LSUA getting their it's a tough way there. to lose a national championship. No, kidding. Uh, definitely a tough way to lose a national, t- a national title. And lost to an Iowa team. I guess that... Put the smile on your face. Sorry, uh, Larry Cordero. I don't even know why I said that. It is 7.05 in the morning, not Terry. We had Larry on the show last year. So. <laughs> it happens. I make a mistake every once in a while. All right, other news and headlines. How about uh, Penny Hardaway being introduced as Memphis head coach yesterday? Not a big surprise. They used the whole coming home theme. Sure. Um, you know, I don't have a whole lot of opinions about this. I, I, I'm still, you know, kind of questioning why they 
made the switch in the first place from the get-go earlier this year. But Well, you look into it, and Tubby and the numbers that he put up at Memphis, and it was just not only the fact that they could barely sniff the NIT this year, the attendance and the, the, the fan base and – the interest in this program yes. has dwindled immensely. That is that that was a big facet. The fact that they, I think they had the worst uh, attendance in decades. So yes, uh, from a money standpoint, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how he does. Of course, uh, you know, got his fingerprints all over AAU, and mm-hmm. maybe he can get some some big time kids in there. And uh, who knows? Maybe he can land a big time recruit and. Get Memphis back to into the national conversation. Uh, Trey Young leaving uh, Oklahoma probably shouldn't come as a huge surprise, correct? Uh, no, that's what we were expecting. And the fact that my question is, I, I well, not a question. I want people to stop pumping the brakes. I want people to start, um, you know, stop making the comparisons to Steph Curry. I'm I'm sick of it. Like they, they made it while he was at Oklahoma. Throughout his career, throughout his one-year career, they, that's all they want to talk about was, is this kid the next Steph Curry? Mm. I think it's, you know, if you want to talk about he is of this new generation that likes to shoot it deep, and, you know, if you want to make the, the comparisons in the game for that, that's fine. But stop comparing his skill to Steph Curry because he's so far away from that. Now, I think he'll be a good player. I don't think he'll be a great player. I think he'll be like if he's a team's uh, third or fourth scoring option. Yeah, I, I think he can have some success. But if you know he, he's not going to be double or triple teamed, right? I mean, it's not going to be like he, he was at Oklahoma, and he's not a bad passer either. I think people forget about that. What he's done in, in his career, you know, as far as piling assists. So I think he'll be a good player. Would I want my team to take him in the top five picks? No, I wouldn't. On the flip side, was it good for Oklahoma? No. One and done. He what? Well, he got his five, six months in there with the Sooners, and they make it to the tournament, no. and they're one and, and that done. That can spark a whole different conversation yeah. on whether or not guys should be able to go immediately to the pros. Mm. And I think there are certain guys that should simply because a they're physically ready, and b they don't want to go to college for one year. You know, I mean, you question their motivations. Right, I mean, when DeAndre Ayton announces in his post-game presser after they lose in the opening round to Buffalo that, hey, I'm going to the NBA, you know, I mean, it's just like, give it some time, man. You just lost. You just got upset by Buffalo. Uh, spring football drills continue across the state. I spent probably a good 10 minutes this morning reading an article in The Advocate about the LSU quarterback competition. Jeez. Tell me if you heard this story before, but it sounds like, by all reports, that it is a dead heat <laughs> oh, right yeah, now. Yeah. And the defense is very dominating, uh, and the scrimmage over the weekend held them scoreless. Yeah, well, uh, Braden Fajoko said that they shut him out over the weekend. So, um, for those who are worried about Steve Ensminger's offense, you can go ahead and take Or that on the quote. flip side, Dave Aranda, and of course that LSU defense is making major strides, and now they're implementing more of Dave Aranda's style. And of course he has the two big defensive linemen up front leading the way. The biggest thing that I've taken, I'm not, I don't care about that. I don't care about what they say about the quarterbacks. The thing that jumped out to me was Richard Lawrence's quote, actually. Talking about Damian Lewis, you know, this is the offensive guard that, or offensive uh, lineman that has been getting a lot of pub over, over this spring training because he has been, you know, the coaches have been raving about him. And then Rashard Lawrence comes out there and says he's the most physical player on our team. So hearing Rashard Lawrence say that makes me go, okay, this guy really could play this year if he if he catches up to speed and and learns the playbook. I, I, you know, you could very well see him get on the field and give some more depth to that offensive line. That was the biggest takeaway for me. But all this other stuff about the quarterbacks and so and so throws it well, and so and so is smart, and so and so can move. Yeah, we know this. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Let's see them in actual competition. Uh, the biggest takeaway for me there was mentions in there about them, uh, the defensive line making Sunday trips to Popeyes, and just <laughs> the amount of chicken that they would probably consume on that visit. But then later in the article, there was a mention about going and having crawfish and the defensive line put away 45 pounds. I thought that was on the lower level. Well, I saw in that same article, <laughs> I think it was Richard had got a four-piece and an extra 
a drumstick. That's kind of, you know, that's not a whole lot. I feel like I could put that down, right? On a good day. Uh, we are keeping tabs, of course, on what's taking place at uh, Louisiana Tech, at ULM, and Grambling. The biggest note's probably coming up with uh, the pro day coming up on Thursday for both Louisiana Tech and Grambling. Hey, there is some news from Alabama's spring football, and, of course, the highly touted quarterback, Tua, having a little bit of a thumb issue. Hey, what's his last name? Tua is his first name. <laughs> Tua, of course, who came in and saved the Tide's chances, brought them back, won the uh, national championship against Georgia. Uh, he suffered a thumb injury. And as you can imagine, Nick Saban's not thrilled about it, saying that uh, he's probably going to have to miss a couple of days simply because the thumb injury is on his throwing hand. Uh, so Jalen Hurts will probably get more reps. Uh, related note, uh, Hootie Jones and Cam Sims, of course, have left Alabama. Now they continue to chase after their professional dreams, continue to see on social media as they continue to work out and hope to get a shot at the next level. You found the nugget with Slade Bolden, the former West Monroe standout, as he has found a new number in the college ranks. They gave him number 29, which, is, which was Mika uh, Fitzpatrick's number, but uh, working him out at safety. Hmm. So maybe he could see the field quicker as a safety. Uh, other news and notes and headlines on this Wednesday morning. I failed to mention it uh, earlier this week, and I should have. Uh, congrats to the West Monroe powerlifting team. They have now won three straight state championships, made a trip out there uh, yesterday. Pretty cool for the Rebels that they huffed and puffed their way to a state championship. No doubt, no doubt. To win three straight titles, that's nothing to sneeze at. we got some other headlines we'll get into the next segment, including another professional football league. Can it make it in this country? We need three. We got three of them. We got three on the way. Perhaps. It's all part of the starting lineup brought to you by Louisiana Pain Care. The starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. Are you crying? Starting lineup. Are you crying? The starting lineup. There's no crying. Let's get to the starting lineup. Dr. Saul Graves will join us at 7.30. We look forward to catching up with uh, Coach Federico at 8 o'clock as his Warhawks get ready to square off against the Diamond Dogs tonight at 8.30. We'll talk a little high school baseball with Wade Simino from West Monroe. Yes, and we are still taking recommendations for our Top 10 Thursday, which will be on the craziest moments in March Madness history. Hmm. Let me ask you a question, Aaron. Take iconic out of the conversation. All right. Is the Villanova North Carolina finish crazier than the Christian Leitner Kentucky finish? Uh, no. It's not crazier. Tie it up with a crazy. You tie it up with a crazy circus shot, and then uh, you come back down and uh, hit a buzzer uh, beater. Uh, it's worth a conversation. The Leitner one. Though, it's iconic. Yeah. I know it's hard to put anything past that. That's why I'm saying take iconic out of it. Mm. You're having this debate in your mind whether uh-huh. you're going to rank that ahead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I see where you're going. Uh-huh. Is uh-huh. anything better than that? Hit us up. 888-993-7762. The Morning Drive returns after this on Sports Talk 97.7. Welcome back to The Morning Drive. got a couple questions on the text line here. In fact, a couple of them from uh, Quint. First of all, is it true that Butch Jones took an intern job at Bama? Just uh, Googled it. Uh, Pierce several stories in the last uh, 12, 24 hours that they are finalizing the deal for Butch Jones to be a, quote, intern. Quote, intern. For the Tide. Intern sounds so much worse than analyst. <laughs> you know, like an offensive analyst. Instead, you're just an intern. From head coach to intern. But, hey, if you get to associate yourself with Nick Saban, it's worth it. Thought-provoking question here. Do you expect attendance at Louisiana Tech to be more than 2,000 tonight? As they score off against ULM. Look into your crystal ball. I think it'll be close. Considering uh, the attendance they've uh, had in the last couple home games for the Dogs and how their fans have been showing up, I just don't know how many ULM fans are actually going to make the trip over to see tonight's game. What They've been around, what, 17, 16? 16, yeah, six, around 1,600 they're averaging right now. I'll say yeah. I'll say they get to 2,000. But, you know, in the last time when uh, Tech made the trip over to ULM, we underestimated the crowd size. I thought it'd be around 13, 1,400, and it was over 2,000. Yeah, I'll say it's over 2,000. So what? Uh, 888-993-7762. All right, a couple other headlines in the related to social media this morning, Jake. Oh, yeah. Don't you love social media? 
All right, so Deion Sanders uh, stuck his foot in his mouth. That's a big mouth. Yeah, it's a big mouth. A big foot, foot, big pleat. So, essentially, a tweet came out yesterday where the NFL Network said that Deion Sanders is a big fan of the Houston Texans addition being Tyron Matthew. Yeah. Called Honey Badger the best safety in the game. Which is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, it is. Anyway, uh, Kevin Baird tweeted out, said, how do you make this statement and not include the two first-team AP All-Pro safeties? And he tagged Deion Sanders. So, Deion Sanders retweets him and says, you're looking at who writers tell you who's the best. I know who players and former players feel is the best. I rest my case. You continue to be a fan, and I will continue being the man. Yeah. Hashtag truth. The only problem with this is Kevin Beard plays for the Titans mm -hmm. and actually was a pro bowler. Mm -hmm. So Deion Sanders did not know mm. who he was. Mm. And basically admitted that in his tweet. And it got people going because a lot of current players like Jalen Ramsey got involved, like tweeting it, you know, uh, Baird and saying, you know, keep doing your thing. We all know you're a beast. You got the film to back it up, blah, blah, blah. And some people were, were asking, uh, asking, why are you getting so upset with what Deion Sanders said? He said, or his opinion. And he said, I'm not upset at his opinion. He just thought I was a fan. That's no. why I'm upset. So anyway, that's what you get for – you know, going at people on on Twitter, you get you get nothing positive from it. Mm. I like this one involving uh, rumors out there that uh, Eric Decker was going to make a trip to New Orleans yeah. and be interested in perhaps joining the Saints. There was mutual interest. So the Denver Post uh, reported that Decker was visiting with the Saints, and somehow the word news got back to Sean Payton. So he basically went on to Twitter to shoot down the report, and uh, he just wrote. Bad sources when replying to the reporter. So then the reporter tweets back, "If I I had a trusted source. If my info is wrong, I apologize." To which uh, Sean Payton responds, "All good. You can just remove the if. <laughs> the if, as in if my info is wrong." Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah. That's Sean Payton for you, though. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, what do we make of uh, now the news that there could be another professional football league or it is in the works to have another league in the fray, this one coming after Vince McMahon's announcement with the XFL? Not interested. Why not? I'm not interested. I, I You were all in with uh, Vince XFL. McMahon. Yeah. yeah. I'm this one's going to start a year before. Sure. So by the time 2020 comes, we're going to have three football leagues. I'm not interested. This one's going to be called the Alliance of American Football. Yeah. What shocks me about this is they already have a TV deal, yeah. right, with CBS? CBS Sports Network. Oh, that's that's different. Uh, still, still the fact that they're going to be shown. Uh, so the bottom line is the investors, they'll be backed by many TV people, including uh, TV executives Dick Ebersole and his son Charlie. They are the main investors. That's where you get the, of course, uh, connection with the tv tie-ins sure it'll start a year before the xfl they've got a number of uh, heavy hitters former nfl players that are advising in this thing and you may remember charlie ebersall because in the 30 for 30 film this was the xfl he was a prominent member in that film and of course in the xfl as he really worked hand in hand with vince mcmahon as they kind of pushed that thing forward yes so why come out with another football league? Is this some type well, of – I think it's a pretty smart business venture. Have uh, Vince McMahon come out there early on, push forward the XFL. Then you come back. You hear the positive feedback he's getting. You come out and kind of steal the thunder and say, hey, we're going to do a similar thing, but we're going to make it better, and actually we're going to come out one year ahead of Vince McMahon's league. It's just – it's it's going to be – it's too much. It's oversaturation for me. Well, not if you beat the XFL to the punch. Listen. If you're I, already an established commodity before the XFL I even comes into business. I just don't know why you would want to challenge the NFL, first of all. XFL, I thought, was interesting and could have could stand a chance. Not stand a chance, but could get some ratings and stay alive a little bit with 
Well, then why can't the Alliance of American Football League do the same thing? Three. Yeah, but they're going to beat the XFL to the deal. They're going to beat them to the party has, by XFL a year. XFL has interest because of Vince McMahon. XFL has interest because it existed a long time ago because it was a train wreck. People were interested in seeing how it works out. You're going to at least get eyeballs because of interest and intrigue, hmm. right? Because you've seen this before and it was a train wreck. And like it or not, whether it was good football or not, you had to tune in and see it. So I thought XFL had a chance to, you know, get off the ground and let's see how it makes changes. Now that you add a third in there, I just, it's oversaturation. It's already hard to keep up with, you know, both college football and NFL. I mean, that already consumes your whole weekend. The and Alliance I, of American Football says uh, there are 28,000 Division One football players ever sold. Says only 1,700 have NFL jobs. This is the old rundown quote. We're looking for the Kurt Warners working in grocery stores, and we think we will find them. As Jake mentioned, though, they, they they do have that uh, TV deal in place where the championship game will be on CBS and then one game a week on CBS Sports Network. What's the uh, what's the when are they trying to play? Is, is that listed? I have not found that information. Okay, well, but they are looking for uh, eight teams with fifty. They man better offers. not be playing in the fall. Like, no, there's I think they're smarter than. There's that. no way they're playing in the fall, right? Yeah. I don't know, man. We'll see. I could be wrong. I just think it's just not good. It's not going to be good. Business. Another talking point here, they're going to try to make fantasy football influence the league. Eversol says 59 million people play fantasy football. 20 million play only fantasy football. We have to take advantage of the people who uh, just stop playing fantasy when the NFL season ends. Huh. Hmm. I give it more hope than Jake does, obviously. Yeah, I don't. I think the XFL will. So have Vince more McMahon success. throws his name and his weight behind something. You're all in. If Vince McMahon is not in on a football league, you're like, nope, want no part of it. No, I'm interested. I'm not saying the XFL is going to be around for a long time, but I think it, there's enough interest because it was already established. Thank you, Blake. League starts a week after the Super Bowl. Gary says Johnny Football can play a year earlier <laughs> now. Play in the spring. Matt says. Well, listen. If they get. If they beat XFL to the punch and get these names that we discussed, like Johnny Football, like Tim Tebow, if they are able to get these names before XFL, yeah, I give them a shot, sure. Ooh. But you got to get those names. Richie, I think taking a shot at Jake. Oversaturation, question mark, not for real, real capitalized football fans. It will be watched. How many, okay, yes, the diehard will watch it. I'm not talking about the diehards. I'm talking about casual consumers you got a lot of casual people who watch the nfl who aren't in love with football i'm talking about people like that who are going to tune in that's what you need to drive these ratings joe and rustin says england has multiple soccer league, soccer leagues it can work granted they're all connected <laughs> matt says jake is a vince mcmahon homer yeah he is. my bias is coming through yes lsu vince mcmahon and then who for Jake and his homerism. Will Wade. I don't yeah, know. Will Wade. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. 888-993-7762. Dr. Saul Graves joins us after the break. We always love catching up with Dr. Saul Graves. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. How are you doing this morning, Doc? Hey, good morning, guys. Before we get to some uh, serious questions, I got some off-the-wall questions for you. Jake and I are having a little lively debate on whether or not another professional football league can start. Of course, the news coming out yesterday, another league will start ahead of the XFL. It's slated to kick off next year. You being a real football fan, would you be in <laughs> with more football? You know, I'm I really not not a fan of that. You know, I, although I do think that maybe the NFL Ooh. needs some competition to, to sort of wake them up a little bit, but. You know, I, of course, I, I remember the old days with the with the USFL, which it, you know at times was pretty good football. But you know, it's just it's tough to compete against the NFL. So I, I just even with Vic, Vince McMahon money, I just don't know that, that that's going to work. Spring football drills continue across the state in the college ranks. Of course, you being a former quarterback at LSU, you have any fond memories from those days, or a story or two that stand out? <laughs> Uh, you know, I guess probably the best memory of spring football is when it was over. But, <laughs> but uh, no, I, you know, I, as you know, given the fact that I redshirted LSU, I went, I went through four of them, and, and um, you know, I guess I would say my last spring training was probably the most memorable, mainly because it was the, really the most important for me. You know, I, I'd, I'd spent my whole career at LSU behind Tommy Hodgson, who, 
Um, you know, some people may be too young to remember him, but you know, he was all SEC a couple years. And so really, you know, I went into spring training basically just competing as a backup. And it wasn't until my, to my last spring that I got a chance to compete for, for the starting competitions, the starting job. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of, of the competition at LSU right now, except for the fact that I was the, you know, I was the old guy and I had, mm. you know, some young one, young guys behind me that were competing against me. And, and so, um, you know, it was pretty intense. Except for the first time that I'd been there, they made quarterback live. So, you know, I'd gone through the whole my whole time at LSU, even during the fall scrimmages. We we weren't live. So they couldn't hit us. Well, in the spring, in order to make the competition as fair as possible, they decided they were going to make us completely live. So all 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 scrimmages were were live, full contact. And in fact, I, I ended up chipping a tooth my very first scrimmage because. I hadn't worn a mouthpiece to practice in so long. I forgot to wear my mouthpiece for that. Got hit in the chin, and um, and so anyway, it was it was uh, important. And, and actually, you know, because of the the spring I had that year, was able to to come out of spring practice as a starter and, and able to go into the season as a starter as well. So that that's probably the most memorable one. You know, there's not a lot of a lot that, that I remember from spring training, but that's probably the, that's probably the most memorable thing. Saul, do you remember the first practice or perhaps when you're like, wow, this is a major jump that I'm taking from OCS to LSU? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the very first scrimmage at LSU. In fact, I, you know, I was uh, I was running with the number three offense at that time. And, and so, you know, I'd been down there for about two weeks. And, and I look over and, and, and on, on defense uh, for, for, uh, for us, which was the first team defense, was Michael Brooks and, and Toby Cast and two guys that I had grown up. <laughs> You know, watching they were they were four years older than me, and uh, and I mean that's when I realized that this was real, and, and you know even a little bit scared, you know as you can imagine with those two guys over there. But but fortunately, they always took it easy on me since I was from Monroe. They uh, uh, you know I was their homeboy, so they so they uh, they took it a little bit easy on me. But you talk about some some big time players; those guys could could really play. Mm, yeah, that would certainly be scary. All right, a couple of medical <laughs> questions for you. If, well, let's start with uh, off the Stuart Shelby State from hotline slash text line. Uh, somebody wants to know about a rotator cuff and how long typically the recovery is, and is it typically traditionally a season-ending injury for a softball player? Yes, yeah, so that, that's that's a uh, you know good question. Typically, you know, typically in that age group, if it's you know high school or college, we we really just don't see many rotator cuff tears. It, Unless it's just a you know a, a big traumatic injury like a dislocation or something like that, or and, and even in that sense, in that case, when when they're that when they're that young, they typically don't have rotator cuff tear. So usually, if you're talking about a rotator cuff injury in a, in a softball player, it, it's usually you know rotator cuff tendonitis or bursitis. And so, if that requires surgery, it's usually just a scope where we can go in and just kind of clean it out. Um, but doesn't usually require repair. So in that case, I would say probably if it's a, if it's a softball pitcher, you know maybe three months uh, to to get back to to uh, to where they were effective. Now if it's if it's something that doesn't require surgery and, and we're just treating it with rehab, you know sometimes an injection can help that, and and you know they can be back in a, in a few weeks if it's just tendonitis or bursitis. Obviously, if it's a tear, that's a that's a year long recovery for a for a softball uh, player or, or baseball. Uh, player as well the uh, claim dr james andrews made a few headlines uh this past week uh he was uh, speaking at a clinic and, and mentioned the fact that he when addressing a conference in orlando recommended that young athletes avoid playing year long and then not to specialize in one sport this is certainly we've something we've discussed several times Saul. but the fact that it's coming from dr andrews uh, makes some national headlines yeah he usually draws a lot of attention with the things that he says and you know, this is not just something that that's you know his own you know thinking. It's it's been a lot of studies and research that have gone in into that. And if you remember, just a couple of weeks ago, I was down in New Orleans for our, for our national convention, and uh, there was huge banners all over about about the the um, the attempts to start trying to stop uh, overuse injuries in, in young kids, and and you know, that that's just become a real problem. And not only injuries, but but also burnout. In fact, they look at a lot of studies that have shown that, that prior to college, a lot of you know superstar kids, kids that have been have been you know um, asked to to specialize because they're so good uh, at one thing, have have uh, either burnt out before they got to college or had some type of injury that ended 
um, the, their ability to go on after high school and continue to play. So it's been a real push to try to uh, to stop sports specialization uh, really before late adolescence. So when we're talking about kids, you know, prior to high school, you know, trying to, to prevent kids from or encourage kids to, to play all sports, not just uh, not just you know specialize in one sport. And it's not a lot of people think about baseball as being the deal, but it's really mm-hmm. a lot of different things. You know, there's gymnastics, there's tennis, there's softball, there's baseball. Um, you know, even football, basketball. You know, where, where kids are are being encouraged when they're younger to participate in just one sport because they're going to be behind if they don't. And, and then the other problem we see is that when that happens, is is kids not taking time off, and so. Uh, Dr. Andrews' push and, and really the academy's push has been to try to encourage kids to, to take off at least three months uh, in a calendar year from a particular sport uh, and, and maybe even doing it one-month increments, you know, take off a month in the spring, month in the fall or, or, or in winter. So to try, try to try to take at least three months off from that sport to try to help prevent it. And, and so, I, I, you know, we're, we're trying to get the word out as best we can just because it's, it's, a, it's a real problem. And, and, you know, he, Dr. Andrews, I'm talking about, sees more of these injuries than anybody because people come from all over to see him. And, and uh, you know, it's just it's been a dramatic increase in not only the number of the injuries but the number of surgeries that are, that are having to be performed on these overuse injuries. Yeah, some of those studies that he pointed out in his speech, he said 60 to 70% of children – drop out of sports by the age of 13 because of perennial peer or coaching pressure, then also pointed out that there were 3.5 million children under the age of 14 being treated for sports-related injuries on an annual basis. Uh, that is a pretty staggering number. Yeah, it really is. And, and, and it's uh, you know, one thing I did mention, too, is that also we see it, it with, with specialization, and I feel like I see this more in baseball, and softball, the other thing is, is kids playing on multiple teams as well. So, so not only uh, you know they're playing on the on a let's say a, a league team, and, and then they're playing on on a travel ball team. And sometimes if they're very good, they're being asked by other travel ball teams to play on their team as well. Maybe on a weekend they're not playing. So, um, you're talking about a kid who's just getting getting overworked. And, and these are kids that are that are you know, they're obviously good is why they're being asked to do that and also why they're being pushed. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real big problem because, you know, I think if you, were, if you were to ask the parents or the coaches or whomever, you know, what's more important, you know, how well you do when you're, <clears throat> when you're in uh, elementary school or how well you do in high school, I think at the time they would probably say, well, we want, we want to be great in high school and so they can play in college and, and, and so forth. But oftentimes – they're being great when they're young, but when they get older, as you mentioned, they're either burning out or they're having injuries that require significant surgeries and, and time off, and, and that can be devastating when you get in high school. So we got another one here on the text line. We certainly appreciate the feedback, and we know we're generally speaking here and we don't know the specifics, but somebody wants to know in a, a baseball player, a pitcher or a catcher, a labrum tear in the sh- throwing shoulder. Uh, how does that affect them, and should it be repaired, or does it matter if it's a partial or full tear? Yeah, and you know, that is that there are situations where you know we'll see a, a kid who has shoulder pain and who has a, maybe a smaller labral tear, and in in some cases they can get a, a small tear in the back of their shoulder, which is just one of the, a thing that, that from repetitively throwing, you can develop a small tear. And that can often be treated with uh, rehab and, and, and rest, and, and, and they would be okay. However, uh, there are many label tears, especially in throwers, that uh, continue to give them problems. And, and we pretty much will always try to give a kid an opportunity to see if they can get better uh, w- without surgery, but in many cases, you know, a throw and shoulder that has a label tear, uh, it's not going to get better uh, until uh, until they have it fixed. So it's uh, it's that's another uh, big problem we see in, in throwers. That that's um, you, know, you see that all the way up in the major leagues. You know, label label tears. Of course, we've talked about it on here many times, but it's a, it's a very prevalent injury uh, in in baseball. It's all good stuff this morning. Uh, if listeners out there need you, you or your colleagues' assistance, where do they need to go and how can they find you? Well, we got our main office on Louisville Avenue in Monroe. Also have our satellite clinics in West Monroe and also in Ruston. And we have a daily injury clinic that uh, 
get started about 10 o'clock every weekday morning uh, at, um, with, with, at, on the Louisville office, which is for people who've had injuries that need to get in quickly. Uh, and then we also have our after-hours clinics uh, weekdays um, going to about 8 o'clock at night and then also on Saturday morning from 8 to 11, and both of those are at the Louisville location as well. Finally, Saul, how's the golf game? Is it coming around yet? <laughs> I actually played golf last week. I, I wouldn't say uh, coming around, but it's uh, it's good to get out. Uh, it's good 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 weather at least uh, for a day last weekend to to get out and play. You bet. Thanks, bud. We'll see you soon. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on. Doctor Saul Graves, good stuff there. Great stuff from, from Doctor Saul Graves. But I've got a question for you, Aaron. Uh oh. You ever get tired of being wrong? Oh, all the time. Why? Just saying. What would I do wrong this well, time? Well, I mean, you know, we heard it at uh, the top the, the of the conversations. Yeah. Saul agree with me. Yeah. So uh, well, let's take an informal poll right now then. Check another one. Wh- who's, uh, who's in for another football league besides the National Football League? And the XFL. Yeah. Who's in for a third football league? Who's going to but watch But I continue to tell it? you, though, this other league gets a head start ahead of the XFL. So it actually be the XFL will be joining the party late. They will be the third team joining. There'll be the third plate at the dinner table. It's still three leagues. But there'll be one that's obviously extremely established, and then there'll be this other one, the the Alliance. That's not a good name either. It's awful. (laughs) The Alliance of Football or something. Alliance Football. Yeah. Are you going to, Aaron, are you going to legitimately keep up i mean there's there's bad football out there for people to, to consume already i can foresee Go watch the i CFL. can foresee us next year at this time we'll be doing a weekly segment on the alliance football and league. you'll you'll keep up with it <laughs> you don't have the time to keep up with it that's the problem people don't have it's time really to gonna it. hurt my coverage of the pills it's gonna, <laughs> that's true yeah. that is true we will miss that from you matt says jake just doesn't understand this. doesn't understand what <laughs> back after this. All right, here's my goal. By the end of the show, I will have sold Jake on this Alliance of American Football. Debuts February 9th, 2019, the week after the Super Bowl. Season will run 10 weeks. We'll have 50-man rosters. They got a lot of uh, big names in terms of um, backing with some money, also with some name recognition. You heard about the, the TV deal. Uh, other things that uh, eight teams in uh, eight teams in cities they'll be announced in the next uh, three months. They'll be having regional drafts protecting eligible players who played in the local community from their college days, along with good football and names that the local market knows. Ebersol, of course, one of the guys driving this thing, says that the league will have no TV timeouts and 60% fewer commercials. Hold the phone. They'll have regional drafts. Yeah. Like, what are the boundaries of that? Like, what's the what type of players are we getting in this league? Mm. All right, here's where I'm going to just also one other thing, just because there will be no kickoffs, the ball will be placed automatically at the 25 yard line, no onside kicks, losing team will just start on its own 35 yard line with a fourth and ten. I don't know what that's all about. Wait, Uh, it just says the losing team will start on its own 35 line with with. After you score? Yeah. Wasn't a well-written article here. Uh, Play uh, (laughs) clocks start with uh, 30 seconds, and every touchdown be followed up by a two-point. So, okay, hold on. So you're down down by 14. You score a touchdown. Is this going to be like less than two minutes to go? If you score a touchdown, you get the ball with a fourth and ten. That is stupid. No. That is dumb. Okay. You got to sometimes push the boundaries, you know, when you're starting it out. Okay. So this is my whole deal, Aaron. First of all, they're they're not going to outlast the XFL. You know why? Because they're making the same mistake the XFL made in its first run. Did you watch the 30 for 30 on the XFL? It was very good. it It was fabulous. But they, among many things, the key reason why it failed is because they rushed to market. They rushed to market. This league wants to start less than a year from today, February 9th, next year. Hmm. What quality of football do you think they're going to put on the field? And you're going to have to leave a, a lasting impression because, oh, the XFL is coming? I don't think Vince McMahon's sweating this at all. Hmm. He's going to take two years. He's going to get better players, and then he's going to have to put a better product on the field. So when you first tune in, you're not seeing this hodgepodge of regional drafts. Hmm. Regional drafts, Aaron. Charlie Ebersol, of course, uh, that is Dick Ebersol's 
father, uh, son actually, uh, says, I think where businesses like to fail is they think they have ludicrous and unrealistic ticket and media deal projections in year one. He says our investors here understand that it's a seven to ten year plan. So there you go. Uh, Russell says the beer makers will love it. Matt says this should be viewed more as a developmental league. Aaron says, now nah, we already have two leagues with college and NFL. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. All right, so maybe it'll be harder to uh, sell you on this than I thought. I think I hope I've sold you. But when Vince McMahon kicks off his league, you'll be all in. I'll be interested. I, I'm not all in. I'm not, like, going to follow the XFL like it's the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, heck, by the time you get close to football season, we're all craving football. We'll tune into a CFL game or two. I couldn't tell you who the best player in the CFL is. I couldn't tell you half the teams in the CFL. Mm. But I'll tune in mm. once or twice. I could make the argument if Tiger continues to make this push and also with the established stars that are already on the PGA Tour and now with this young group of up-and-coming stars, uh, golf has an opportunity here to really make a resurgence. I mean, in the last couple of weeks, I've been fired up on the weekends to tune in yeah. and watch the PGA Tour and what is taking place and, and the star-studded leaderboards and what Tiger continues to do. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're talking about golf, this is – I'm just saying fighting for viewers during the winter and then spring months and then leading into summer. Uh, you're, yes. Yeah. And, and the NBA, let's not – I know you like to make fun of it, mm-hmm. but its popularity has continuously risen yeah. in, in recent years. And so you're going to be competing against that. You're going to be competing against MLB – going to be competing against March Madness. I mean, come on. This is not a no-brainer just because it's football. Yeah, it has to be good football. It can't be this hodgepodge of regional guys that were not good enough to get to the NFL. How many years, you know, have they been removed from college? I have so many questions Mm. about this thing. And then Matt says, by the time Vince M. gets his league going, he will only get third-tier players. And Russell says, Doug Flutie is the best. Mm. What else? You had another uh, comeback for me in this segment. No, I mean, that was it. That was, that's all I had to say. I mean, you were supposed to try to sway me on this argument. You failed in doing that. I, I just think the fact that they're rushing to market, you're not going to get good football. If you if you're already want some football away from the season, I mean, you can tune in to, like I said, the CFL. You can look up the arena football. I mean, there are ways to watch bad football if you really want to. Um, yeah, that's it. And that is true. It, you know, the Canadian Football League, and it is on several different networks, and you can watch it. And how often do you go out and seek it and try to watch it? Yes, you are right about that. Yes, thank you. So, anyway, I, you side with me. It's, it's not a great idea to, to challenge the NFL and challenge Vince McMahon. Um, not saying Vince McMahon will be successful. I think he will in his first year, but you know we'll see how that goes. A couple of news and notes from the t- television world. Uh, I know there's a show coming up that you're going to be all in, or perhaps the, the promos you're looking forward to seeing. You're talking about Get Up with yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Greenberg? No. I was interested because I like Greeny. I liked Mike and Mike back in the day. But they're set to debut in April, April 2nd. And he's with Jalen Rose, who I like, but he's also with Michelle Beadle, who I don't love. Mm. She's just loud to yeah. me. Like, I, I don't love – it's just – She's in your face a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. It's uh, it's really in your face. And anyway, I, I don't – so I'm interested how that, will, that, that dynamic will work. But this is what the show's description is. It will offer news, opinion, and analysis, like every other show. Um but it's set, supposed to have a casual morning show vibe, but apparently won't be afraid to delve into thorny political issues. Mm. Why are we getting back into politics? Like, why is this steering back into politics? I want a – CSPN. I get it, but I want a sports show without politics. Is that so hard? Yeah, probably. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, count the, me out. Uh, Lebitard's contract is up. I found this uh, very fascinating. And uh, supposedly there are reports out that uh, Sirius is now making a run at Lebitard where they would give him his own channel. And, of course, the, the influence that he now has on that network, and a lot of people do not like that sh- the radio show and the concept of it, but uh, it is pretty uh, popular and has a cult following. Not only that, every, the other aspects that he does on ESPN with the other show. Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Levitar. Yeah. 
I like his show. It, it, they don't. They have serious moments. They do. They have some serious interview moments. Um, but overall, they don't take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. They have fun with it. It's sports. They have fun. Uh, for the most part, I don't think they get too political. Um, but yeah, I, I I I really like his show. He's one of the best out there right now. I would say him and uh, Rosillo are, are two of my favorites. Mm. And that brings back to, you know, okay. yeah, Levitard has made the argument numerous times, and he's been critical of people that have left ESPN, and then, of course, you lose that platform, and you lose your power. And that brings in Rusillo, and then, of course, how many times have we heard from him in the last, uh, how long has he been gone now? Three months? Four uh, months? Yeah. You not, can still find not. him, according to the millennials, if you are into the, the podcast kind of things. But for the mass masses like myself and others, we're not reaching out and looking for a podcast from Russillo. Okay. We're not getting back into that. But Sirius Radio is still a pretty big deal. Mm. And you can still find that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's interesting to see where he lands. All right, keyword today, a hodgepodge of things. That was certainly that in that segment. Matt says if they were rushing in the market, how would they have all their deals in place? Question mark. And Russell says, I thought they got rid of Jamil because of politics. 888-993-7762. It's the Stuart Shelby State from Hotline slash Text Line. Coming up, we'll talk a little uh, college baseball. Look forward to a big matchup tonight. ULM and Louisiana Tech renew their rivalry. Head coach Michael Federico from the Warhawks joins us after the break. Ari Wolf with the NFL Network now on the Westwood One Radio Network. And Dominican Sue will continue his free agency tour in California. According to our own Tom Pelissero, the defensive tackle will visit with the Raiders on Wednesday. Sue met with the Rams and had dinner with head coach Sean McVay in Los Angeles Tuesday night. Elsewhere, the Jaguars are parting ways with wideout Alan Hearns. The 2014 undrafted free agent signed a four-year, $40 million contract back in 2016. The move saves Jacksonville $7 million on the cap. The Jags also releasing... Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.